Right Network presents Right Now, the featured podcast of New Right Network. Mobilizing, countering the left, energizing the right. New Right Network, home of the New Right Movement. My name is Frank D'Onofrio. I'm with New Right Network. How are you? And uh, we're interviewing today Kim Classic. How are you, Kim? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Kim, uh, a lot of stuff going on in uh, in elections in Baltimore. Um, a lot of things that, um, you know, we as, and, and just to, to, to let everybody know, I'm from Maryland. I live in the great state of Maryland. I've been living here since 2001. And so I have a vested interest in what goes on in my state, uh, which is particularly why I got involved in this in the first place. Um, and so, Kim, uh, there's been some um, some items that I've written about uh, over the last couple of days, um, just to let everybody know and to level set expectations. A month ago, the governor put in an order that there would be mail-only elections. Um it seemed that the Infume camp did not like that, and so they lobbied to have mail-only and ballot uh, and, and, and in-person ballot elections. Um, after that occurred, the board met and decided that it was for a safety reason that they could not allow uh, for in-person voting. So um, uh, that was fine, and that's how it stood for the last two weeks until Monday morning. Uh, and Monday morning, the board had a uh, had another meeting in which the chairman abstained because they felt, and I'll let you go into that in a little more detail. And uh, and now we have in-person voting booths in three locations in Maryland. Um, in my mind, the governor stuck his finger on the uh, on the scale here. So, but I'd like your impression. What 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 happened? Yeah, so thank you so much for having me, and thank you for your attention to this matter. Um, in my mind, this is election fraud. Um, you can't say that the board voting on it twice already wasn't good enough. You know, for the governor to then send a proclamation asking the, the board to vote again and, and basically giving them an ultimatum saying, look, either you can't do this and you have to um, provide documentation showing why you can't, um, you know, you can't get that kind of documentation from Good Friday into Easter weekend and then Monday morning. Um, so basically they had to uh, come up with a, a vote and they did. Uh, the chairman abstained from it because he felt like it was too dangerous. But with this vote, now they allow three polling places. And this isn't just for provisional ballots, not just for those that didn't receive, um, not just for those that need to comply with ADA. It is for anyone that wants to come and vote in person. So you have uh, just, for instance, in Baltimore County alone, uh, they sent out 130,000 uh, ballots in the mail, um, and they're hoping that, you know, no one comes out to vote in person. Now, I know as a Republican, being in a Republican party, we're not in fa uh, favor of mail-in votes. Um, I'm telling everyone it's the best thing to do. We have the uh, lockdown stay-at-home in order for until April 30th, I believe. Uh, the election is April 28th. And I'm saying, you know, if we're supposed to be hitting our peak, as the governor says, we're an emerging hotspot uh, by April 29th, why on earth would I want anyone to go stand in line at the polls 
possibly next to someone that could be infected, and possibly with thousands of people. Um, so to me, it was irresponsible of the governor to uh, basically put this on the hands of the state board, uh, the way he handed it over, kind of keeping his hands clean. Um, and this is something that my opponent, Kwesi Fume, has been pushing for uh, since day one, uh, that they said that we would have to go into mail-in only balloting. Um, I understand his concern with mail-ins. I do. I get it. Uh, but at the same time, what's more important, you know, uh, mailing in the ballot or uh, standing in line, rather, or making sure people stay healthy and stay safe? Um, and so I, of course, want people to stay healthy and safe, and I want them to mail in the ballots. And for the governor to change this last minute makes absolutely no sense. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm, I'm appalled, honestly, at, uh, at the state of Maryland. Uh, I'm appalled at my governor, who um, has declared that um, I cannot go to church and I cannot, um, uh, um, I, 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 I'm, I'm working in place. Uh, and unless I have a job that is a required job, I can't leave my home. I can only leave my home with a mask if and in public. But, however, um, you can open the uh, abortion clinics in the state of Maryland, uh, but you can't worship God. And you can go and have an election where there aren't enough masks. Uh, between you know, you try to get a mask in the state of Maryland right now, um, Kim. Uh, I've tried; it's virtually impossible. And I, I'm lucky I have a couple of uh, M95 masks because my son is in construction and did some work in my house. But other than that, who? How does the regular person safely vote? So, give me your opinion on that one. Yeah, I don't know how. Um, Governor Hogan actually did exactly what uh, Delegate Nick Mosby wanted to do, which was release the data showing that African Americans are more susceptible to the virus. Now, if you look at two of the polling locations, the demographics around them, they are in predominantly black neighborhoods, uh, one being in the neighborhood which was hit hardest. Uh, in the state of Maryland, and that's near Edmiston High School, where the Baltimore City voters can now go vote in person. So, to me, I mean, this is just so irresponsible. I don't, I don't even know how to, how to put it in words. I'm actually sad that Governor Hogan, who loves to go on every network nowadays to talk about how great of a leader he is, uh, yet he's putting people at risk. He has yet to tell us when uh, the students will go back to school. He's yet to tell us when he's going to reopen the state. But everyone, please, he's saying basically you can go and vote on April 28th. We're supposedly in a peak time where coronavirus uh, can be hitting each neighborhood. So it makes mm -hmm. no sense. Um, I can't believe the board even voted on it. I know the chairman abstained from the vote because it was too dangerous in his opinion. Um, I talked to Katie Brown at the Baltimore County Board of Elections yesterday, and she said she's not sending anyone from her staff uh, to any of the polling places because it is too dangerous. They don't have masks and gloves even for the staff, um, let alone the volunteers. Now, we all are not born yesterday. We know many volunteers uh, that volunteer at polling places are usually senior citizens. They are retired age. If they're the most vulnerable, why on earth would we be calling them to help host uh, these polling places? It makes no sense at all. And, um, you know, I, I was always a fan of Governor Hogan, but now that this has happened, I, I'm not so sure. Kim. Um, my mom, my, I grew up in New York. I grew up in the Bronx. Um, my mom lives in, in the Bronx right now, and uh, it, she's a senior citizen. If she needs access to, uh, to do something, she calls something called accessorides, uh, which is part of the, the, you know, the city of New York. 
the cost to allow the and, and, and I know that there was a letter by the um, ACLU which says that you're disenfranchising disabled people. Um, the cost to provide Uber rides for disabled people would be inconsequential to the state compared to opening up uh, these voting locations. Um, I mean, why wasn't that discussed? Why wasn't a easier method? Why open up the votes to everybody, number one? Number two, why set this up so that you are putting at risk probably the most important people that are at risk at the moment, which are the disabled and, and, and those with, uh, with disabilities? So go into that a little bit. No, you make great points here, Frank. I mean, um, if you go back to the Board of Elections uh, website, they have um, some of the audio up from previous meetings. And the second time they voted on this, you know, because this last time on Monday was the third, the second time they were actually trying to figure out if there were other options. And someone on the board mentioned maybe doing it by appointment um, or sending someone out that could assist uh, if someone did uh, need some kind of assistance with disability. Um, they said uh, that person, I believe, was, I want to say it was JP on the board, but I'm not quite sure, but he was the one, I believe, saying it would be a lot cheaper and a lot safer for us to come to them rather than they come out to us. And so the fact that they didn't even discuss that on Monday, I thought that was interesting. But if you look at the proclamation that the governor sent over, you know, it didn't really say come up with other options. It said basically either get these polling places in order or, you know, be prepared to get so many lawsuits, I guess, from some of these uh, groups like uh, for the disabled, for the blind, um, that were then threatening lawsuits. So um, I understand maybe the governor felt like he was in a hard place here and he had to make a decision, but there were other ways to get around this and to make sure we did it safely, but nobody took the time to do it. Kim, there's a couple of, there's a couple of things from what you said there that need to get addressed. The, the first issue that needs to get addressed is the, uh, the issue of safety and the issue of uh, making sure that the pollsters are taken care of. Um, you said that there's no masks. So how do we ensure that people are safe going to the polls? We can't. We don't even know how many people are going to show up because there's no limitation here. I mean, you've got 138,000 ballots in Baltimore County. Say you had 30,000 people show up. We saw what just happened in Milwaukee. Uh, they had five polling sites open with less voters, and they ended up with lines and lines around the building. Um, we'll wait and see if, if people were infected and if anyone uh, unfortunately passed because of it. Uh, but, you know, it was a mess out there, and they have lawsuits now because of it. Uh, we see in Nevada, in the state of Texas, uh, there are a lot of people not happy about this. And then we have to set, uh, put on the table that if you already mailed the ballots out to 500,000 people, uh, you give them the option of voting twice. You can drop your ballot in the mail on April 28th on your way to go vote in person if you choose to. Now, the board already stated that they want to announce a winner by May 8th. There's no way you can check and see if someone voted twice. 500,000 people um, you know, try to check for these tallies on their name. You're not going to be able to do that by May 8th. Um, that's impossible. And they're telling us they're going to have less people counting the ballots because when they count the ballots, they still have to honor social distancing. <laughs> Kim, <laughs> Kim, well, we have social distancing at the moment, which is we're taking care of that here. Kim, can you give me the reason that the Infume team feels so strongly about in-person voting? Yeah, um, so I, I guess I can only assume based on his comments on our conference calls with the Board of Elections, 
Um, but he was pushing for this since day one. Um, he his, his voting base likes to vote in person. Um, he likes to bus people to the polls in the primary. He shuttled people from uh, senior living homes to the polls. Um, and I understand that, you know, if you want to make sure people get there safely, if you want to provide that transportation for those that can't take public transportation or don't want to, I get that. But in this very uh, situation, I don't think that should be an option on the table. Um, right now, you know, riding an MTA bus in Baltimore, they're only allowing 10 people at a time because they still want to uh, make sure the social distancing thing happens. So I'll be interested to see if he buses people to the polls on the 28th and how many people get off each bus. Mm, uh, but you a... best believe we'll have people there with cameras to get it all in action. Great. I would like that, Kim. If you could, if you could forward that to us, I'd really appreciate it. Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about um, about duplicate voting and and ballot harvesting at the moment because that's another issue that uh, we haven't uh, addressed and the governor has not addressed uh, and the concern that I have as a registered uh, voter in the state of Maryland. So could you please uh, give me give me some information on that? Yeah, so very interesting enough, I got a phone call yesterday from a resident who likes to help and volunteer with my campaign, and he asked me if he was allowed to go and knock on doors and collect ballots uh, to make sure that they got to the post office. And I said, absolutely not. That is ballot harvesting. And he said, well, you know, there are rumors that the Infume campaign may try to do it uh, because there are some people that just can't get around very well. I said, I understand that, but please do not do that on my behalf. <laughs> you know, that is illegal. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of issues here that haven't been addressed at all. Uh, the mayoral race is on June 2nd, along with the general primary. Um, you had candidates from the mayoral race on Fox 45 Baltimore last night um, talking about just how confusing this is. Yes. I mean, if you're a voter and now you find out, okay, you've got to wait for your ballot to come to the mailbox. You hope it gets there. Then you have to uh, put it back in the mailbox. But before you do, you have to ignore the directions on it that says it needs stamps because they then posted that that was a human error. I guess that could happen, right? So you have to ignore that, put it in the mailbox, and then go to the link where you can track your ballot. You take the number off your ballot and you track it. So you make sure it gets there. Then you wait to see after April 28th who actually wins, right? So when you, even if you don't get your ballot, you still have to call and make sure someone gives you, gets you your ballot. So there's so much going on here. I believe just the voter fatigue leads to voter suppression. It's very confusing. No one has any idea how this will go on. Uh, Peter Franchot, the comptroller, said he is, in quotes, skeptical that this will go off without a hitch. Um, and here we are two weeks away, and the governor is changing the goalpost yet again. Well, you know, I'm talking about um, uh, voter suppression, uh, uh, there was a, a, um, a tweet that went out or, or some emails that went out that uh, you already won your election. <laughs> yes, yes. I could not believe that. When I saw that, um, I saw that and I thought, oh, my gosh, who is tweeting this? Meanwhile, I actually posted on the, the one tweet that got to over 12,000 retweets. I posted on it and I said, excuse me, it is not until April 28th. Please delete it. There were so many people that commented on it and liked it. And he still never took it down. And I don't, you know, there's a lot of conspiracy theories going on here. <laughs> um, but we've seen that tactic in the past. You know, you, you announce that someone won so that people just turn their attention away from it, those that are in the For same sure. party. Um, so hopefully that isn't going on. I'm hoping that was just a horrible mistake. 
Um, but yeah, that leads to voter suppression as well, unfortunately. Okay, let's talk a little bit about collecting ballots. So uh, at the moment, at least I heard on the on the call that there's some some people are supposed to collect ballots. I, I heard on the on the board of election call. Uh, so they haven't given us that guidance yet. Um, I believe we're waiting till later this afternoon to hear, I guess, what else is going to happen. <laughs> so I have no idea. Um, the last thing that we've got from the board was just the locations um, of the polling places. And there are two that are literally like not even nine miles apart. I mean, the Baltimore County location might as well be in Baltimore City. That's how close they are. And they're all, they're both uh, nine minutes from uh, my opponent's home, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, let's talk um, about that. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's get it. Yeah. That, that, one, that, one really, that one really blew me away. So if you're going to choose voting locations and you have to take a look at the map of your district, your map of your district goes like, you know, it, yeah. it's, the, it's the best of gerrymandering. And they, they claim Republicans gerrymander this is this is a classic case of gerrymandering they got baltimore city here and they congrats and then they go and they and they and they go across the state of uh, of maryland all the way over to practically where i live in in bel-air okay right. and for and falston so right you know i mean and and then you got some over by pennsylvania is that correct and and, and yeah Hagerstown? So you go up to uh moncton parkton you're right it goes towards bald is it baldwin Next yep. to Falston there, and then Phoenix, and then you go back down and around Coffeesville, and then you go down into Windsor Mill. Um, and, so, <laughs> and so that's like right there outside the city, and that's how that it connects into West Baltimore. Right. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's that polling place is in Windsor Mill, Martins West, which is so interesting. Martins West, is it just me or all the, the Martins family get so many great uh, events and, and things that they are held oh. at their particular <laughs> Right. I mean, it's kind of crazy. But so she I was told it's because it was so large um, that it would help them uh, place people inside and still honor the social distancing. Now, another piece of this is we were told not to have watchers come to the polling places because that would mean more people inside the places. So they don't want the watchers. And I said, well, that's interesting. Um, but you could still electioneer outside of Martins West or any of the polling places as long as you're within outside that 100 foot rule. So there's a lot going on. It's like at one point they're saying we're going to we need to uh, comply with federal law. But on the other side, they're saying that, you know, we don't have to um, because this is a certain situation. Um, this is why I was so upset, Frank, about the, um, the proclamation sent by the governor. He's saying he sent that because they had to comply with federal law. But when you made this a mail-in uh, mail election, when you put that executive order out, you then threw federal law to the curb. So I don't want to hear any of this uh, complying with federal law. Not to mention, these polling places aren't to comply with ADA. They're not for those individuals with disabilities. Right. If that was the case, I wouldn't have anything to say about this. Right. But it's for everybody who wants to vote in person after they've already received their ballot in the mail. So instead of choosing a school, okay, which uh, they're supposed to have been cleaned after after this had occurred, okay, and right. and 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 so instead of choosing a school in a area closer to a part of the state that would service more people, they just concentrating everything into one little area in Baltimore, which is conveniently at the walking distance of uh, of Kennedy and Fumi's home. 
Yep, and not to mention right now in the Baltimore area, the zip code that was hit the hardest, I believe 21215, is right down the street from this polling center. Interesting. So, you know, it's just, none of it makes sense. None of it yes. makes sense. And it doesn't even take a rocket scientist to figure it out. I figured it out <laughs> very quickly. Um, and I hope, I honestly hope, uh, we did, We have sought legal counsel. We have some people looking into this. Um, are we going to be able to make these changes before the election? Probably not. Do I want to even make these changes? Um, I don't think so, because all that will do will just add to the confusion. Um, but it's sad because I think in 2020, um, we could actually, you would think we could hold uh, an election without so many mistakes and so much chaos. But, you know, here we are. Kim, I want to talk to you about two things on this. Um, first of all, the uh, you know, uh, I feel like I'm... Uh, I'm dating myself, but I feel like I'm back in the Watergate era in the missing uh, three minutes of the uh, of the meeting. <laughs> uh, uh, we both heard because we were actually listening in on that meeting that at me, I think it was uh, minute 51 that uh, one of the uh, uh, one of the members of the board said that the governor ordered this to occur. And then um, uh, conveniently, that section of the uh, of the meeting has silence now because they had a a, a large silence because they were having a discussion about uh, legal issues, which I guarantee the legal issue that they were discussing was the ACLU letter, which stated that uh, um, uh, they were concerned uh, about two things. Uh, they were concerned about the people with disability and they were concerned about uh, right to vote for um uh, uh uh for people of color which makes no sense because kim i mean this is not a a, a race about people of color i mean you and, and kawaii and fume <laughs> share i mean honestly it's not it's not it's not about that so why they would make this why would they would bring that issue up makes no sense to me okay but getting back to that there's four minutes that just disappeared so and i know that you you heard it you know, you know other people that heard it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, my friend David actually pointed it out to me. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even see it. He saw it first. But um, yeah, no, it's very interesting. Um, ACLU, if people can go to their website or their social media pages, they'll see uh, they have uh, supported Kwesi and Fume. Um, and I don't know if he got their official endorsement, uh, but those are the people that are making us think about this. <laughs> um, so interesting enough, they're on his team. Uh, I know there's lots of things that point to the fact that this is corrupt and a fraudulent uh, proclamation came from the governor's office. But, you know, I just like I said, I don't think we can prove that before the election. And at the end of the day, that just hurts the voter. Well, Kim, I know you don't want to win on a technicality. So that's not that, that's not why you're in this. You want to win fair and square. Um, one of the other things that 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 struck me as odd uh, was how the governor just decided at, at the last minute uh, and the relationship between uh, members of the governor's office and uh, 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 Mr. Fume. Uh, could you elaborate on that? Yeah, so Boyd Rutherford, the lieutenant governor, and, and Kwesi Fume have been friends for many years. Um, I didn't realize how close they were until we were all three at a forum for the Baltimore City uh, Jewish Council. And we were there to basically introduce ourselves uh, to the council. And, you know, it was odd. 
they had the agenda for us. And I was actually happy to see that Ifume was going to speak first because I wasn't sure if they wanted to really hone in on national issues or local issues or international issues. So I thought it would be great to hear where he starts because I know he's been with this group and he's talked to this group before and he knows their concerns. Um, but as he came in the door, uh, I was then approached and said, uh, told that they would like to switch the order of the agenda because now Ifume wants to speak after I do. So I was like, well, you know, this is already, <laughs> this has been in place for a week now. And he said, yeah, well, we know him. So we're just going to go ahead and, and let him do his thing. So I didn't, you know, say anything about it. I said, okay, I went to go speak first. I actually spoke after Lieutenant Governor did. Um, and then Ifume spoke after me. But as they're sitting there, they're just palling around. Um, in Lieutenant Governor's speech, he talked about how he used to travel with Ifume and how great of friends they are. And Ifume gets up there and talks about how great of friends he and Boyd are. And I just saw the relationship there with my own eyes. Um, and then if you go back, I posted some pictures. Uh, you could go back to the governor's Facebook page, Lieutenant Governor's Facebook page, uh, with, uh, uh, both governor and Lieutenant Governor hanging out with Nfume. Um, I believe there was even an event where they gave him a reward uh, for being the president of the NAACP. Uh, so they've been friends for a very long time, a very close relationship. And let's face it, Governor Hogan is not a fan of President Trump. He has made that known. I am pro-Trump. Um, I don't think any, you know, me getting in the seat benefits him at all, especially if he is looking to run for president one day, which we hear a lot of, um, that he might try to do that in 2024. So I just, you know, I don't think I have the governor on my side here, even though people say, well, you know, you're both in the GOP. Um, I think they do lean a bit more towards Ifume. Um, and if Lieutenant Governor Boyd decides to run for governor himself, um, he probably wouldn't mind having Ifume on his team, helping him corral some votes on the left. So <coughs> that's my opinion on it. One last thing, and, and, and then we'll pivot in a second. But one last thing is uh, the choosing of the Martins West uh, yeah. location. I think that's something you should uh, elaborate on. Where did this information come from? Yeah, so when I called Katie Brown, the director at the board, uh, Baltimore County Board of Elections, I asked her, because I was furious. As soon as I saw it, I thought, are you kidding me? This goes all the way up to you know the Pennsylvania line, and we put it basically in Baltimore City. Um, so I called her, and she said, first, you know, we were you know in a tough spot because we just found out on Monday, like everybody else after the vote, that we had to find a place. Um, and then she said uh, they received a call from a woman named Stacy Rogers, um, who said she knew of the perfect place that could host everybody in Baltimore County. Um, and she said Martin's West was available and they were willing to do it. Now, as far as I know, everywhere is available because the lockdown order isn't over until April 30th. But hey, you know, that's just me thinking about it. Um, but my um, one of the people in my campaign looked up Stacy Rogers. Uh, now, I haven't seen her physically. I don't know if this is exactly her Facebook page, uh, but she works in the Baltimore County government, um, and she formerly worked for President Obama's administration. Um, we all know that Kwasi Mbume and President Obama are, are close. Um, so does she have, you know, a helping hand in choosing a location? Um, that's a possibility. Uh, but hopefully all of these things will be looked at uh, by someone that, you know, will investigate it and figure it out. You know, moving forward, I, I just really want to, focus on my campaign, focus on the changes that I can help make and, and the positive impact that I can have 
um, and not get so caught up in this. I mean, I was so furious. I feel like it took literally days <laughs> for me to kind of get over it. Uh, but I am willing to focus on, you know, getting people back to work, small businesses. Uh, they need the relief uh, yesterday. Yes. Uh, so there's a lot of things that are going on on the Capitol Hill that if April 29th I'm there, I can definitely help out with. So Absolutely. I'm just going to keep focusing on that. Kim, I want to pivot now to uh, to you, uh, OK, and your campaign. And, and, and obviously, uh, as, as, as Yogi Berra say, it, it ain't over till it's over. And even if April 28th you win, you've got another election coming up in November. So um, because this is only a special election. Yeah. Kim, tell us a little bit about you, your campaign, why you're doing this and, and what your your positions are. Right. So for the last eight years, I've been uh, I was basically running a nonprofit. I was a founder as well in Baltimore City called Potential Needs Workforce Development. Uh, so we would help women coming out of incarceration, homelessness, uh, rehabilitation, get back to work. Uh, I feel that the only way to lift people out of poverty is with employment and good employment, you know, careers with salaries and the health benefits, you know, not just jobs. So I thought, what a, an opportunity to be able to go and uh, go to Congress and, you know, push for more career opportunities coming through our ports. Uh, right now, we see with the coronavirus pandemic, we need to bring this billion-dollar medical equipment industry back to the U.S. Uh, we shouldn't be beholden to any other country. If we are the greatest country, we should be just that. Um, I believe our port is as large as the port in Connecticut, and they have really revamped. Yeah. Uh, they're doing more things with wind energy. Um, we can do lots more as far as, you know, even the GM plant that we have in White Marsh that yeah. closed last October. They opened their plant in Indiana to help make uh, ventilators and masks and other things. Like you said earlier, we can't find a mask in Maryland. Um, I would love for someone to call GM and hopefully, you know, maybe persuade them to open that plant immediately and get those people back to work. They're obviously doing training right now because as far as I know, they were making automobiles. Right. So they're making that switch, and we should be able to provide a pipeline through these high schools, um, colleges, uh, and even uh, the, the prison system. You know, I'm all for second chances and people reentering society and being able to make that transition and provide for their families so they don't go back to that life. Um, so we should be really pushing for careers. Right now, we have a trucker shortage in the nation. We've had it before the coronavirus pandemic. Um, we have lots of land in West Baltimore owned by the city, uh, which uh, vacant homes have sat for decades. I would love to know why Amazon didn't come to Baltimore City with their latest headquarters, but why not get other, country, uh, other companies there uh, to do warehousing? We know that we have many nonprofits like Maryland New Directions. They work with Allstate behind the wheel training, $2,000 to get someone certified with their CDL licensing. For me, that's something that I would really be willing to fund with federal funds, making sure people got this training and got actual careers. You can start off as a, a trucker making over 50 grand and getting health benefits. Um, you travel the country, you could still live in West Baltimore, you can live in the greater Baltimore area wherever you want, um, and you know, put that money back into the community. So it, it really is a lot of just common sense factors that need to be put in play. Um, and you got to get someone in there that's ready to roll their sleeves up and get it done. I think, you know, some of the things that I think about, you could really improve so many areas in the greater Baltimore area uh, within two years. Yes. You know, it's not going to take long at all. Absolutely. And, you know, I know our port, a lot of people want to do so much more with our port. We just need someone to step up to the plate and say, here's the plan. 
here's what we're going to do. You know, we see the crime and violence is out of control coming out of Baltimore City, and it's now creeping into the counties, and no one seems to get a handle on it. We have a, a state's attorney that doesn't want to prosecute anyone. That's unacceptable. You know, someone needs to hold her feet to the fire. And, you know, you got the FOP complaining on Twitter, of all places, uh, about how hard it is to work around the consent decree. Maybe we should take a look at it. You know, we don't have to say, you know, get rid of the consent decree, but maybe there's some, some changes we can make uh, so that police can do their job and people are respecting authority. So there's a lot of things that we can do with quick changes. And I know if they vote for me on April 28th, um, I can get this stuff done before November so they vote for me again. Kim, I'm very much uh, in favor of, uh, of that. I, uh, a little background about me. I've been in, in uh, computers now for uh, <laughs> my entire adult life. Uh, and I'm an IT project manager, and I teach project management. And I've been working with, I won't mention them because I don't want to embarrass them, but I'm working with a, 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 I'm working with a church in, 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 in Aberdeen, okay, that has an outreach program. And I'm teaching project, I'm, I'm working on a program to teach project management to children, okay, and high school kids. Because I believe that project management, like uh, trucking, is those are jobs. Those aren't those aren't like little jobs. Those are jobs that give you a very good income, and you don't have to be an IT person to to benefit from project management. Um, as you know, if whatever thing whatever you're doing requires planning and discipline and being able to understand the project management principles, and um, I'm working on a program to teach uh, young kids what about project management because you can use that in in construction, you could use that in anything that you do, even in building an election team. Right. No. Oh, that's a great, great idea. I'm so glad you're doing that. Uh, project management is important. Um, just, you know, figure out logistics sometimes is much needed in, in every company. Um, so I, I applaud you for doing that. We need more people like you putting stuff like that in place. Well, it, it's not it's not about me. Kim, it's about making sure that my my grandchildren get the benefits that I have had in my life. I mean, today, I could not have gotten to where I'm at today because, unfortunately, to get where you want in this world today, you need a college degree. I went 35 years, uh, 40 years without a college degree. I got my, my college degree uh, uh, 10 years ago. So, you know, uh, out of tenacity. <laughs> <laughs> But basically, you know, I've had a benefit of living in this country, okay, because you can do whatever you want. Last thing I'm going to talk about, and that is um, some the issue of corruption in this state, okay? Because if you look at you look at everything that's going on, and you look at this situation, you look at the the governor putting his thumb on the scale and kind of changing things. You know, if he just would have stayed out, everything would have went. Um, but obviously things were going down a, a road that he didn't like or didn't like the, what the result was. But uh, your challenger, uh, Kwesi Fume, has some skeletons in his closet. Um, you know, there are the situations that he admitted that he had imp improper uh, situations with people at the NAACP, yet he won't admit that that was the reason for his, his being let go. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so, you know, at the end of the day, these, some of these are just allegations, I'll say, as far as um, you know, some of the behavior with the women. Uh, so I won't touch on that too much because I, I know what it's like to be at the end of someone making accusations against you. Um, as far as I know, he was never arrested or indicted. 
Um, but it was for a fact in Julian, I think it was Julian Vaughn's uh, memoirs, where he talked about how Kwesi and Fume was hired to fix some of the mismanagement of the funds going in and out of the NAACP, uh, but then he ended up taking some himself. Uh, so he actually stole money from the NAACP, and it was written in Julian's memoirs. Um, I think, I believe the Baltimore Sun actually did a story on it um, because they had a copy of the memoirs. But to me, you know, here we have a situation where we don't know where federal funds are going. We have no idea where they went after the riots in 2015. Um, President Obama and uh, Congressman Elijah Cummings did a great job sending money to the area, but just no one did a follow-up, and the area still looks the same. So I don't think anybody would want anyone that mismanages funds uh, to sit in that seat. Uh, there's a time where we just have to get together and say, look, we need a change. We do. You know, I know a lot of people, they don't think I'm, you know, their number one pick maybe for this position. But if you get someone in there that's transparent, uh, that holds people accountable, and then takes that money and, put, and implements it where it's supposed to go, uh, that would change the greater Baltimore area tremendously, just those things alone. Um, so I'm hoping people will understand, look, he does have skeletons in his closet, and one of them is mismanaging funds, and we're currently in a situation where we can't find money. Well, you know, Kim, we have a problem, obviously, in in Baltimore, in Baltimore City, with with the corruption, um, in, in, in Baltimore City, with the corruption, with uh, the former mayor indicted and 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 sentenced for for fraud. So, you know, we have to we have to figure out a way that people in this state uh, don't enrich themselves while being uh, in office. Um, you know, I, I'm not throwing I'm not throwing anything out at at uh, uh, Representative Cummings, but uh, in 1999, he complained that he had, you know, that that it was killing him to pay his child support, okay, with his salary. And then when, you know, when he retired, uh, when, he, when he passed away, his estates were 1.5 million. Um, uh, how do you go making $170,000 a year to 1.5 million? I'd like to figure that out, okay, because, uh, um, you know, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, I'm not. I'm not claiming that he did anything wrong, but I am claiming that uh, that that uh, there seems to be uh, in the state of Bal in the state of Maryland in the city of Baltimore a belief that people enrich themselves. I don't know who they are, but they are people that enrich themselves, and you can see it every day. And you can't drive down I-95 and not see uh, and, and not do something about the uh, the, the terrible. Uh, way that people have to live. You know, people shouldn't live that way. Uh, I've been in Baltimore. I've been in Baltimore City. I've, I've attended functions in Baltimore. I go to the baseball games in Baltimore. This got to stop. This got to stop. People want a job. Uh, get, let's get them a job and let's not, you know, give them, you know, uh, let's find a way that they can be people who want to be, you know, members of the community. So right. talk about that a little bit. Well, I totally agree. I think we criminalize people that are in survival mode, and I don't understand why we would do such a thing. Uh, we should be presenting them with opportunities to do more. Um, you know, I know a lot of people talk about the squeegee boys. I get frustrated as well when I drive through the city. It's like being taxed, right? But at the same time, when you look at these uh, boys, children, or even sometimes men, uh, they are out there every single day of the week, and they're busting their butt, whether it's hot or cold. So these are people that want to work. 
And I don't think people are really thinking about that part of it. No. And like I said, I've been doing workforce development for eight years. Uh, what I do, my track record is getting people employed. Um, and that's what my goal is you know, as I go into Congress. So, you know, to me, opportunity is huge. Uh, our, our education system is the pits. I don't know how in the world our superintendent, uh, Sonia Santelis, makes $325,000 a year when we have kids that graduate that can't barely read, write, or do basic math. Many of them do not go off to college um, just because they can't. Uh, they don't have the, the education, you know, not just the money, but the education part itself. So there's a lot of changes that need to be made. And like I said, there, it's not rocket science. It's no. literally common sense. And it can be done within the next two or three years. And I think it's a partnership, Kim, uh, because in this area, you have to look at where we are. We're in the middle of a technological area. In, in the Baltimore 95 corridor is a technology uh, corridor, okay? But people don't realize that. Uh, the technology goes from, from New Jersey all the way down 95, down to Washington, D.C., and into Virginia. And I know a lot of firms that would, do, uh, that, that would, would love to participate in training the next generation of kids. However, we're hiring people on H-1B visas to come in to take jobs when we have kids that we can train very easily in the technology jobs, yet we have an education system that won't train them. Uh, for example, Kim, uh, how many schools in Baltimore don't have the right facilities for these kids to take their classes now via, uh, via the internet? Uh, I know that that's significant at this moment. Yeah, there was a report of 25,000 students that cannot uh, learn online right now virtually because they don't have what they need. Um, they've been out of school for quite some time. It sounds to me that they're not going back uh, till the fall. And so, again, here's a poor education system where kids are already behind, and now they can't even be educated during this time where everyone's at home. So, you know, we have major issues. Clearly, we are not prepared for any kind of pandemic, um, let alone a virus that we can't see. But, you know, these are things, if, if, if city council, if the mayor, if the members of Congress, Senate, if they really wanted to do their job, they could. You know, Senator Cardin and Chris Van Hollen, you know, here they are on Capitol Hill holding up the votes, not adding money uh, so small businesses can get some relief and, and pay people on their payroll. I mean, it's all politics and then it's, you know, mixed with a little bit of corruption. Uh, we saw Mayor Pugh, our mayor in Baltimore City, had to resign or step down because of what she was involved with. So, and then she was indicted. And, you know, lucky day for her, she doesn't have to go to prison uh, because of the coronavirus pandemic. So I guess this kind of worked out for her. Um, but, you know, and then you had my opponent write a judge, write the judge in her case asking for leniency, you know, because he said he's known her since 1975. So these people are all friends. They're all corrupt. I think bringing in new people like myself, that has no ties, that's not, you know, involved with any special interest groups. You know, I don't even think it's about party right now. I no. think we just need people that want to do the work that has, you know, that will do this with nor fear or nor favor. And that will, you know, go where the money leads, expose who's stealing it, get them out of office and do the right thing. Well, you know, I don't think that Joe uh, down in Baltimore City will get a letter from uh, Mr. Fume to help him get out of his uh, stealing, uh, 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 you know, if he stole something from a Walmart because he was hungry. 
Okay. Right. Uh, and but but here you have somebody who's the former mayor of Baltimore that was, I believe, was almost uh, a half a million dollars. Okay, and she enriched herself by not sending out books. Okay, um, you know what's the leniency there? What are we teaching our children? I know you have a daughter, Kim. What's the legacy you want to give to your daughter? Why are you running? Yeah, so first and foremost, Olivia's three years old, and I hope she will one day be proud of mommy uh, for taking a stand and being brave in these times. Because I guess, you know, of course I get a lot of threatening letters. There's a lot of people that don't like me right now because I'm going against the grain. And I do want to expose people that are taking advantage of our tax dollars and their constituents. Um, so that's tough. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm hoping she will be able to grow up uh, in the greater Baltimore area and absolutely love it. You know, there was a time where Baltimore City was thriving. You know, everybody wanted to go and visit Baltimore. Yes. And it should, you know, it should be able to go back that way. I know, you know, we let some of the career opportunities get away from us. And I know times change. But we should have people in office to make sure that they can keep up. You know, when you, when times change, you got to be able to change with the times. So to me, the fact that leadership never did that is one of our main problems. Um, so, you know. I know Paisin Fume is running for this. He already served five terms. You served your time. You know, you did what you did uh, at that time and you walked away. He quit to go be the president of the NAACP. Uh, that's why he called Congressman Cummings in the first place to take the position. Um, so, look, if you quit, you know, stay, <laughs> stay gone. You know, right. you already served. Uh, we both agree on term limits, which I think is interesting. We both said six terms should be the limit. He's already served five. So I don't know why he's even running. Uh, to be honest with you. But, you know, here we are. I think it's time to get new people, fresh faces. I don't agree with anything that AOC says, but she's passionate about what she believes is right, um, and she fights for it. And we need more fighters for the people. You know, we don't need people just sitting there bickering back and forth, the grandstanding. Um, a lot of people on Capitol Hill have had these uh, relationships for decades. And they're holding grudges, and it's basically being taken out on the American people. Because yep. here we are waiting around um, for money, for you know, just some ideas on how to get through this, and they're just still fighting with each other back and forth. Well, I know you and I can list a, n a number of small businesses in Maryland that are being hurt by the fact that uh, they don't have money, okay, mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, and and they can't keep their doors open, and they they're they're you know, and they're looking. To, for ways not to fire people. Uh, yet uh, we have a Congress that would like to give $250 million or, or $25 million to the uh, uh, the Kennedy Center, okay, uh, that fired the people the next day, okay? Uh, and then, uh, but, but uh, you know, the company, you know, who, ha who has a, a, a shipping company that can't ship goods and because of the lockdown, and they're, you know, they're suffering and they have to fire people. It, it, it can't continue this way. I think the people of Baltimore want you. And by the way, uh, Kim, uh, my three-year-old granddaughter would love to play with your, your daughter, Olivia. Okay. And, <laughs> yeah, and we have to get them together at some point because, and honestly, um, your daughter would be very proud of you. Okay, you're doing a great thing. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for uh, spending this time with me. And uh, once again, um, things have got to get done in Baltimore. I am very, very, very uh, concerned. But I know the people of Baltimore. I think they've had enough at this point. 
and I think uh, uh, we'll see it at the polls in the next uh, 10 days. Uh, sure. At this point, uh, have a nice day. Thank you very much for your time. I'm Frank D'Onofrio with New Right Network. I just had a very in-depth conversation with Kim Classic. Thank you, Kim. Thank you for your time. And good luck in uh, 11 days. Thanks a Thank lot. Thank you so much. Thank you, Frank. Bye. You've been listening to New Right Network. Mobilizing, countering, energizing. Online at newrightnetwork.com. <laughs>